you doing tonight? Great. This mic is hot because Jamie whispers when she talks. So. It's like, <sighs> no, I know. It's like, well, let's keep it down here. Who needs them? I'm just kidding. All right. So let me just like forewarn you. Uh, Eleanor bought me this coffee and she shouldn't have. It's a lot of caffeine. For a guy who doesn't need much caffeine. So let's see what happens. Anybody else excited for tonight? I'm stoked! Oh. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's get it back up. Scout camps, can see you guys. All right, hey. So we are continuing our series tonight called I Am. Can you say I Am? Can you, uh, like, actually say it? I <laughs> Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll try this. Try this. Can you turn to your neighbor... And can you say, neighbor, I am. Now turn to your other neighbor that you clearly don't like as much and say, other neighbor, I am. Perfect. We're all awake. We're all ready. Man, well, I am so excited. Uh, so basically, if you haven't been here for any part of this series, we've been talking about uh, who Jesus is in the book of Luke. Is that cool? I like the book of Luke. It's pretty fun. It's a nice book. Uh, my favorite gospel, I know it's all, is John. I'm sorry, guys. I know everyone's like, it's because I feel. Because I, I'm a feeler, and so is John. And I sometimes believe that I am the one that Jesus loves. Just like the disciple John, when he writes, he said, ah, you know, the one that Jesus loved. That's, he doesn't call himself John. Like, cause who, like I'm not going to be like, Frankie. So Frankie said today, that would be awkward for all of us. I'm not going to do that. Anyways, so I love the book of Luke. I'm really excited. Uh, and kind of the topic of discussion tonight is quite simply this. Uh, always, only Jesus. You see how I worked that song in there? Yeah, you're welcome. Always, only only Jesus. What does that mean? Man, what does it mean to live an always only Jesus life in a self-centered world? Yikes. What does it mean to live an always only Jesus life in a self-centered world? Uh, has anybody ever met someone? I'm, I'm kind of like this. Anybody ever uh, met a me monster? Raise your hand. If it's your wife, don't raise your hand. <laughs> For real. But monster. A me monster is quite simply someone who cares only about themselves. Have you ever been there? Uh, you can find me monsters at different parties and social settings. Uh, me monsters can often be found uh, having a conversation with someone, and when someone says something really cool, the me monster's got a top. Ever that me about something before? Like, you just like tell this really cool story. Like, dude, this is so awesome. So I went to the park today, and I saw like three bald eagles. And then there's like a meme monster in the room that's like, ha, I own a bald eagle. You know, you can't even do that. Like, is that even allowed, right? But anybody ever met a person like that? Anybody ever have a friend like that? Probably. Is that like a friend you like to hang out with? Just, you know, don't raise your hand. Right? Like, no one likes that person. Or that person that, like, whenever you're talking to them, they just always have to say something a little bit better, right? You're like, man, I, like kids, you know, you know, kids, you know what I'm talking about. Like, man, I got a B plus today. And I'm just telling you right now, if I got a B plus in anything, like I'm celebrating, right? But I got a B plus today, but there's always that one kid. It's like, <laughs> I did the extra credit. I got 107. It's like, why? Why do you have to do that, right? But I think sometimes in life, guys, we can be a little me monster-ish. 
we can be a little bit about ourselves. Maybe God could be showing up in your life, but it's not the way you would want it to look. And so you're like, yeah, God, I think so, but what about that other thing? Man, God, I really appreciate that you've provided for me, but man, what about that relationship that I've been asking for for a year? A little too close to home? Man, God, I know that you say you're going to be with me, but my kids are crazy. <laughs> Way too close to home? <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. Your kids are fine. Right? But so often in life, we can be so focused on ourselves that we miss just how, God, how good God is. We can miss the forest for the trees. We can miss God's greatness for our circumstance. And so that's, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Always only Jesus. How can we live a life that is focused on Jesus, not ourselves, in a world that tells us you should just do you? Anybody ever heard that saying before? No, the kids are like, yep. <laughs> Older people, it means just like do whatever you want. Just live your life. What you believe is true is true. Your truth is okay, and my truth is okay, and my truth shouldn't infringe on your truth. Are you guys getting the picture? Am I kind of over-explaining? We live in a world that tells us it's okay for us to be whatever we want. You want to be a dog? You're a dog. Why not? But what does that mean? Guys, I don't know if you know this, but when we focus on solely ourselves, we are always unsatisfied. There is nothing you will ever have or do that will satisfy you fully. You can have all the money in the world, but you'll want more. You can have the best things in the world, but then something new will come out and you'll want that too. If you are solely focused on yourself, you will never be satisfied. So then what do we do? How do we live a life that's always only about Jesus? That's where we're going to be talking about that. Is that cool? Is that cool? You guys can like, remember what I said. If you respond, I'll be done quicker. Okay, promise. Okay? Uh, would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that you are so good. God, would you help us better understand how we can live an always only Jesus life? God, how we can kill the monster inside of us. That's all about us. And we can look to you, God, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Uh, if I could be so honest, I am often a me monster. It's true. I really, like, <laughs> I care about myself. Is that wrong? Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll get over it. Uh, but I can find myself in this situation, and there's a, a story in the Bible, so we're going to be reading two stories from Luke chapter 9, and it's just like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fair. So, roll with me. If you have a Bible, who has a Bible? No one. Perfect. Who has a, a phone Bible? Anybody got a phone Bible? If you don't have either of those, you can look into the Bible in the sky. The Bible in the sky. Um, would you read me? Once Jesus was praying, I'm going to read all the verse really quick. Once Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. It's a little confusing. Uh, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? 
Peter answered, God's Messiah. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Uh, can I be so bold to, to read into the scripture a little bit here? That Jesus wasn't asking this question because he was ignorant. Is that fair? Jesus wasn't asking this question because he didn't understand what other people thought about him and he cared about him. Jesus asked the question of who do they say that I am to get to the root of the issue, who do you say that I am? This is quite simply the most important question you'll ever answer. This is the biggest, most important question you'll ever answer. Who do you say Jesus is? It's not who does your neighbor say Jesus is. It's not who does your friend say Jesus is. It's not who does your spouse say Jesus is. At the end of it all, we're going to stand before Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Did you live a life that says, man, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. He is my Savior and my Lord. Who do you say he is? I know that sounds kind of extreme, but it's true. There's not a bigger question you'll ever answer. So I ask you tonight, don't respond right away, so I just think about it. Who do you say he is? Can you answer in all honesty that your life reflects the answer that you're thinking? Who do you say that Jesus is? He wasn't ignorant. He wasn't dumb. He didn't really care to know what other people thought. But he wanted his disciples to answer the question, who do you say that I am? So at the end of it all, what does that, what does that mean to you? Who is Jesus? Is he your Savior? Did he die on the cross for your sin? Is that who Jesus is? Let's continue. So there's, we're going to slide down to Luke chapter 9, verse 28, but I want to fill in the gap a little bit. So right after Jesus asked him that question, Peter says, you're the Messiah, right? And then Jesus begins to warn them, hey, this is what, this was about to happen to me. I'm about to suffer, I'm about to die, and I'm about to res be resurrected, right? And they're like, all right, all right. And then he goes on even further and says, hey, if you're really going to follow me, you're going to deal with some of this stuff too. He says, if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your cross every day. So that's, this is the gap. And then we get to this part right here. And again, I'm, I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to go a couple verses at a time. Is that cool? I know there's a lot of the Bible in here, but it's going to be really good, I promise. The, the more Bible than Frankie is always good. I, I, trust me. Trust me, I live with him. He's weird. Set myself up for that one. All right, let's read. About eight days after Jesus said this, um, so this is his, his warnings, right? After eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James. Uh, really quickly, Jesus, like, he had 12 disciples, but he had, like, three dudes that were, like, the closest to him. So I just want to give you a little bit of hope. Um, that if you want to be like Jesus and you want to make disciples and you feel like you struggle with just one, it's okay. Jesus focused on three, had 12, and one of them betrayed him. So well, I think you're doing okay. Is that all right? just want to encourage you. All right? Like Jesus wants us to make disciples. But if you're not batting a thousand, it's okay. Jesus didn't either. Is that fair? Because one of them was crazy. P. 
Peter was great. No, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, let's keep going. All right, uh, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his tube and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. Next slide. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. I don't know if you've read the Bible, uh, you'll notice that this whole sleepy thing kind of happened a lot. Uh, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, next slide, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid. They were afraid as they entered the, the cloud. As a voice came from the cloud saying, next slide, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Whole lot going on. So now we're going to start to pick up right here, first two verses. Let's go back to the first two verses. Next slide. Other way. Uh, keep going. Yeah, boom. All right, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothing became as bright as a flash of lightning. When I was studying this, my mind was blown. So I, every time I've read this, and most people I hear talk about it, they talk about like this new miracle that occurred, right? This new miracle, this transfiguration. And I was reading this, and this guy was like, no, it, it wasn't a new miracle. It was the pause of an old miracle. Wait, what? The miracle wasn't that Jesus was now glorified. The miracle was that Jesus had allowed his glorification to be hidden his whole life. Amen. So he paused so that his glory could be shown. It's not a new miracle. He just paused the old one for a second so that everyone was like, wait a second. It's not a new miracle. This is, this is something that Jesus had the humility to hide. That's how good Jesus is. That he had all of this glory, and he decided, nope, I'm going to humble myself. Why? Because he loves you and he loves me. That's how good God is, that he would do that. Let's continue. Uh, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring uh, to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And so my thought here is this, is this is, uh, next slide, boom, from cross bearer to glory receiver. See, so, so we hear about, uh, about Elijah and Moses, and they're talking about what Jesus is about to do. And Jesus just told his disciples, but Jesus was about to go from cross bearer to glory receiver. So we're getting a, a, a sneak peek of what Jesus is about to become forever. We see he, he, he's about to go to a cross, and this glory that we see is brand new. The other thing that I found really interesting 
is that it, it was obvious to everyone in the scene that this was Moses and Elijah, which gives me great hope that when we get our new bodies, we'll be able to recognize each other. Isn't that encouraging? We go to heaven that like it's not going to be like, because whenever I read we get new bodies, I'm like, okay, but am I going to recognize people? Are people going to recognize me? Because I have a feeling I'm going to look good up there. You know what I mean? I just feel like it's like inversely related. Like if you look really good up down here, good luck up there. But if you look kind of homely down here, you got shot. You know what I mean? I don't know about you. I'll take decent down here for a dime up there. That's all I'm saying. Amen? Anybody? No? All the good looking people are like, darn it. All right. Anyways, sorry. Got a little sidetracked. Got a little sidetracked. Let's continue. We're running out of time. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they came, became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him pause. Find it really interesting that the author very specifically says that they saw his glory in the other, the other men too. Trying to make very clear that there's a distinction between the shininess of Elijah and Moses and the shininess of Jesus. Because those men, they were shining. He said earlier, they were shining, bright, like a diamond, but not as shiny as Jesus. Not, not as glorified as Jesus. Why? Because there's always only one Jesus. As the men were leaving, Jesus as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said, can I just stop? Does anybody else feel like Peter is the always one, always the one running his mouth? Just me, right? It's always Peter. Peter's the one that tries to rebuke Jesus out of all the things you could do. He's like, hey, Jesus, you're, stop that. That's not true. It's like, what? Here we go again, Peter. Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters our tents, uh, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and we're just going to party. Wow, we don't need to leave. What's the point? This is amazing. I'm just trying to hang out here. He did not know what he was saying. I thought here's quite simply this. What's really good? Peter thinks it would be good to stay. What's really good? Is it comfort? Or the cause? Is it what you think feels good? Or is it what God says is good? Because the problem with this is, is quite simple. If they would have stayed there, Jesus would have never died on the cross. If they would have just built a tent and lived in glory, yay, hallelujah. Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a cause. And guys, here's the deal. What is most important in your life? Is it comfort? Is it what you think is good? Or is it what God says is good? Sorry to be like a, abrupt. But it's true, guys. Like, what is, what is the most important thing? Is it, as Peter thought, that he's seen something that no one had ever seen before? And it looks good, so let's stay here. Or is it that Jesus had literally just got done saying, I need to die? What is it? 
We'll finish with this. While he was speaking, so that's Peter, while Peter was running his mouth again, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that point what they had seen. Probably because they thought no one would believe them. <laughs> like, so, no, guys, I know this sounds weird, but we just saw Elijah and Moses and Jesus all shiny. Sounds a little weird, right? Yeah, maybe not believable, right? But, guys, the voice speaks, and then Jesus is alone. Jesus is in his rightful place. It's just Jesus. Which I'm sure would have been somewhat difficult for these Jewish men because they would have looked pretty highly on Elijah and Moses. They would have heard about him, read the stories, right? Kind of a big deal, right? When you think of the law, right? We've got Moses, think of the prophets, you got Elijah. This is pretty sweet. But the, fo the focal point has always been and will always be Jesus. From the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus. Jesus is the only point. I know I say every good message has three points, but Jesus is good and he's only got one, and it's him. Can you come up? About to land this plane. What? It's always only Jesus, guys. That's it. What are you gonna do about it? I can't I can't decide for you. No one can decide for you what you're gonna do about Jesus. But he's there. And he wants to be with you. He wants to love you. He wants to shower his grace on you. He wants to give you everything that you need for this life and the life to come. He has everything for you. Amen. But what are you going to do? Your biggest responsibility in this life is just to simply respond to God's ability. Your biggest responsibility is to respond to God's ability. And we see God's ability on full display as we read the story of who Jesus is, as we read the power of a God who would humble himself, hide his glory, go to a cross and die for our sin, but not stay dead, right? He's gonna, he came back, which is crazy, but he came back, defeated death in the grave, and offers life to us, offers salvation to us, offers forgiveness for our sins. He did it. So what are you gonna do about what Jesus already did? Who do you say that he is? Would you bow your 